0: say welcome. It's good to be spending some time with you at Christmas time. Uh, those songs that we sang, the words to them are just outstanding today. I mean, uh, this whole thing about God's timing in uh, creation, in coming to earth is just huge. Uh, I'll get the obvious out of the way because some people have been asking me questions, and so my eye is just a little uncomfortable. And so I'm headed for retina surgery in the next week or two, so you can be praying for that. The blood that is in the back of the eye is not allowing them to see what they need to see to repair the retina. So they'll go get that, and then they'll go get the retina, and I'm ready to go, you know? That's just how I am. I'm like, okay, let's go do this right now, okay? Sooner is better. So, um, but I'll be with you for a, at least a couple more services, and I don't know what recovery is going to be like, but... Uh, God does, so I trust him. You know, the wild thing is when we go into these times, and you've been through hard times, and and maybe you're already there, I think our faith is either in place or it's not, you know. And some very things that I have preached about, about attitude and about faith, are becoming reality in my life. And I tell you this, that it's natural for me. I've had some very, very good times with God over these days of drawing close to him, and it's been beautiful for me personally. And so I just want to thank you for your prayers, the cards, uh, the snacks, and the treats. Um, I know that steroids that I'm on right now will help healing, but mm, sweet's add a close second to that, okay? I'm just saying. So uh, here we go. Uh, We're continuing this series today called I'll Be Home for Christmas, and we've been taking little phrases out of that song and uh, building a message around those themes. Week one, Pastor Brian talked about, I'll be home for presents under the tree or in the tree or by the tree, depending on who you listen to who's singing the song. And he talked about the significance of the gifts that the wise men bought to Jesus that day, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you can catch that on our webpage, that message, if you missed it. Last week I talked about I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams, because it could be one of those Christmases where we just dream about what Christmas was like when we gathered with a bunch of people. And I talked about loneliness, you know, the reasons for it, and also uh, ways to escape it when it hits our life. And today I'll focus on these words. Um... I'll be home for Christmas where the love light gleams. And so um, I was looking for cities that have light contests, you know, of who has the best lit street. And so of all places, London, how about this, huh? London, England. Uh, You don't have to go there because this is what Oxford Street looks like. You got like 27 LED curtains that go down the middle of that street with 222,000 lights on that street. It's just beautiful. And then there's uh, a merrill and this one is kind of a little bit, you know, um, it's bright. But this is where you go to shop in London, and you get good discounts at this time of the year. And then you can go for good discounted beverages or snacks there. And then uh, I picked this one because of what we're talking about today. This is Regent Street in London, and they do this thing of spanning that whole street with angels. They made their comeback this year, and so it's just uh, glorious to see that. And so angels were a big part of the Christmas story. Uh, Zach- they, they appeared to Zachariah in Luke 1.11. Appeared to Mary in Luke one twenty two. Appeared to Joseph in Matthew one twenty, and they appeared to the shepherds in Luke two four. Think about this. <laughs> what would you do, right, if the routine of life was disrupted by a undeniable presence of an angel, huh? I mean, certainly that would take a while to process that. I was thinking of George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life. And, you know, Clarence comes into his life at the end of the movie. And he didn't know Clarence is an angel, but he finds out that Clarence was an angel that God sent to take care of him. He has this incredible experience, and he changes his attitude, and he believes in faith again. And that visit with the angel changed everything. It was that way for the shepherds in the story. Uh, they were... There were heavenly love lights gleaming that night when the shepherds interacted with the angels. So I'll read the story just one more time. So follow as I read. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and they were terrified. But the angel, angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, The Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you recognize him by this. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, they were joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. It was a night like no other night. God's plan from the beginning was to keep his plan for salvation simple. You know, so he comes to a simple place, not a palace. He comes to simple people, common folks, not royalty. He comes with a simple message that the Savior the world was waiting for had been born, and the Savior was for everyone. That Savior was for rich. It was for, he was for poor. He was for kings. He was for peasants. He was for the religious, and he was for the not religious. And it was a simple scene, a field, not a castle, a manger, not labor and delivery suite at Jerusalem Hospital. No, no, there's, there's a significance in simple along the lines of this story the shepherds were the shepherds were not considered super spiritual by the religious leaders can i tell you why because their job was 24 hours a day 7 days a week so they could not practice the day before what they would consider ceremonial washing to prepare to go to church on sunday and so when they went to church the religious leaders tend to look down at the shepherds as simple and with some disgust. But this is what Paul said in the New Testament about simple. God chose the foolish to shame the wise. He chose the weak to shame the strong. He chose lowly things, the things that are not, so that no one may ever boast before him, huh? I was thinking that if God brought the message to the wise and strong and the religious proud, in their pride and piety, they would take some credit for what was taking place and maybe mess up the message that was, he intended to have. And so he, he just kept it simple. I love how the shepherds processed this. So the first thing is this. This is what they did. They processed it. They overcame their fear. Uh, Their fear came from this, and I'll read it again. That night there were shepherds standing in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Now, the shepherds were used to lights at night. They were used to a full moon. (laughs) They were used to star constellations. They were used to life from a campfire. But this night, God's presence lit up the sky. And this night, a heavenly being was in their midst. A typical work night became anything but typical that night. And they were afraid. Now they weren't the only ones that experienced fear in the Christmas story. For, for Joseph, it was a fear of embarrassment. For Mary, it was a fear of God's will. For King Herod, it was a fear of losing power and control. And for the shepherds, it was the fear of God's presence. Can I tell you why? It's not that they didn't experience God before. They had experienced God just like we're experiencing God this morning. In a one-hour time, in a room designed for him on Sunday morning, God was in this little box, and all of a sudden he comes out of it. And they realize that we can't control God where he shows up, and, and that brought fear, you know, and fear does a lot of goofy things to us. I mean, fear can, uh, it can paralyze us. It can make us less productive. It can make us less efficient. It can cause us to withdraw and hesitate and become reluctant to try new things. I've seen fear. Have you seen this, by the way? Have you seen this in people's lives, that some people are afraid to come close to God? Can I tell you why? Because they're afraid of what other people might think if they come close to God. Yeah, some people, they're afraid to come close to God because they're afraid of what he might ask them to give up, that they love. And most of all, I think it's a fear of not being in control of life. For the shepherds, it was, what do I do when God is not following a normal routine? When all of a sudden he shows up on a night uh, in a spectacular way and not the way I'm used to experiencing him in church. I can't help believe that one of them must have whispered to the other guys, hey, I know he's up to something, but I don't know what it is, huh? And maybe we had those times in life, but here's what made them afraid. This is what made them afraid. They experienced God in a way they never had before. Here's what they learned that night. It's a lesson for all of us that you cannot control an all-powerful, all-knowing, always-present God. We can't control him. No, I've noticed this. I've noticed this. I found God outside this room. Have you? Sometimes he shows up in my car. And sometimes he meets with me in my home office. And sometimes he, he's in a time as a family. And sometimes he's in hospital rooms. Uh, God will show up where God's going to show up. I remember getting a call from now a friend a while ago. You know who um, who said that they uh, if I would visit a man and his wife in the hospital. And so I go to the hospital and meet this guy for the first time. His wife was dying. She was in hospice. And so he began to tell me the story of their, her illness. He began to um, also tell me that they had not been in church for a while. You know. And so when he was talking about that, I said, I said this. I, I knew she was going to die in a little bit. And I said, are you worried about whether or not your wife is going to go to heaven because she hasn't been in church lately? And he looked at me. He said, yes, Pastor Rick. That's what I'm worried about. I said, then let me ask you a question, right? Do you, does she believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world, yes or no? He said, absolutely, she believes that. We have not stopped praying and talking about God since we left the church. And I said, I said this, without a doubt, if you never stop believing, then she goes to heaven because of faith in Jesus. You know this, don't you, that the church doesn't save anyone? No, no, no. Jesus saves people. Jesus gives us the gift of heaven. The church is there for a purpose. It encourages our faith. It teaches us more about faith. It gives us a place to worship. It gives us a place to serve God, but the only faith, but only faith in Jesus can save us today. Amen. Yeah, that's the truth. And th- that day my friend teared up. And I teared up when he teared up because of the news. And you know what happened that day in that hospital cafeteria? His fear left him because he knew that, that his wife was going to spend eternity with the Savior of the world. And that's good news today. He experienced God in a way he had never experienced him before. They overcame their fear, and this is how they did it. They overcame their because of their faith. Because of their faith, the angels look into the shepherd's eyes and the scripture says they're terrified. And so the angels speak to it. They said, uh, they reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. It goes on to say, and you'll recognize him by this. You'll find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Their message was simple. Don't be afraid. Why not? I got good news for you. Well, what's the news? Today a Savior has been born for you. And who's it for? It's for everyone, everywhere this Savior that has been born today in Bethlehem. See, we've got to decide where we stand on that issue, uh, whether we believe in God or whether we don't believe in God. There is no gray area. Do you understand that? We either believe or we don't believe, and it sets our internal destiny. So let me try to illustrate this, by the way. Um, this is a chair. Did you notice? I mean, aren't you so glad we don't have wooden pews? Thank you, Jesus, huh? Yeah, and so when I was thinking about this today, I said, I, let's say I'm a new person to the church, right? And I look around, and I look, and I say, these chairs are supporting everybody in the room, which is kind of cool. But I've never sat in one of those chairs, let's just say. You know, so um, I, I cannot live on your experience that that church will support me. No, the only way I know that ch- chair will support me is if I sit in it. And I figure out that it can hold me and support me. It's the same way with Jesus. I can't live on your experience with Jesus. No, one day I have to cross the line and decide whether I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. And when I put myself at a place where I put my faith in Jesus, I found out that he can support me and he can help me. I found out that he's not only the Savior of the world. No, no, he's my Savior today. Amen? And so that particular point, you know, is critical to us within this whole faith journey that we're on. That Jesus, I know he's the savior of the world, but can I tell you what? He is a personal savior. Personal savior. Like he knows your name. He knows your shoe size. He knows what time you got out of bed to come to church. This is where faith comes in. Why would Joseph risk social embarrassment and cling to Mary? There's only one reason. He believed Jesus was the Savior of the world. Why would Mary submit to a divine plan for her first pregnancy? There's only one reason. She believed Jesus was the Savior of the world. Why would the wise men pursue a message that they saw written in the stars? There's only one Reason they believe Jesus is the Savior of the world. And why would shepherds travel with intensity to Bethlehem to see if what the angels declared was true? There's only one reason they believe Jesus was the Savior of the world. Even this why would King Herod be so concerned about a child that he would massacre every child in his kingdom? There's only one reason he believed Jesus was the Savior. Of The world why would millions since this time worship him and witness to others year after year about this savior? There's only one reason They believe he's the savior of the world and why would you? (laughs) Why have you decided to make that decision to make Jesus the savior of your life? Because you believe he's the savior of the world He can give purpose and meaning and peace like none other. Here's a simple truth. Their horrific fear was replaced by terrific peace. Terrific peace. The angel said, This is how you're gonna know that it's him. You won't find him in the typical place. You're not gonna find him in the hospital. Look, you're not gonna find him in the nursery at the hospital. You're not gonna find him in a crib. You're gonna find him in a manger in a stable. Now, we know this, right, that babies do not lie in mangers. Animals do. But this one did because he wasn't the typical baby. (laughs) No, no, no. He was the savior of the world. Here's another observation. Not only did they overcome their fear, they overcame their fear with faith. And the third thing is this. They shared their story. The shepherds continued to share the story. Now, this is our memory verse, so online, right? I'd like you to speak this out loud with us. I'd like to try to do it in rhythm and sync. And so um, the other thing is this, right? We're reading scripture today. Now, I heard you cheer for the Buffalo Bills all the way to my house yesterday after they clinched division playoff. And that's cool. I'm all excited about that. 25 years, good, I'm glad. We're talking about the Savior of the world today, all right? So could we please read this in an out loud voice, okay? And don't be ashamed, ready? Here we go, one, two, three. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Oof. what they had witnessed and experienced they shared you do know this right that God never intended for there to be secret service Christians we keep it to ourselves no no his greatest tool for spreading the message in the world is one beggar telling another beggar where to get food why did God pick the shepherds I'll tell you why I think God knew they would be obedient. God knew they would be available. God knew they were convinced about who he was. God knew that they wouldn't be afraid to tell others. Can I give you another reason why? I thought about this and I said, this is a cool thought. So BC, before Christ, when you went to the temple to seek forgiveness for your sins, you brought a lamb. And you took the lamb and you handed it to the priests. And the priests would sacrifice the lamb, spill the blood of the lamb on the altar as a sacrifice for sin. Without a doubt, without a doubt, some of the people who needed a lamb for church would go to these shepherds and grab a lamb. How ironic that the guys who raised sacrificial lambs B.C. before Christ would be the first to meet the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. (laughs) Those who for years prepared lambs for people to sacrifice now would prepare people for the Savior. This is what the shepherds would want us to know going into Christmas Day 2020. This is what they want to know. They would want us to know this do what you can with what you have where you are. Do what you can with what you have where you are. If you have the ability to serve, then serve. If you had the ability to administrate, then administrate. If you can sing, sing. If you can greet, greet. If you can love, then you love. You do what you can with what you have. If you could tell somebody about Jesus. Maybe just this week as you're praying, you say, God, you open up the conversation. I'll talk about you someplace. We just do what you can with what you have. And so we keep the message alive. A few years back, there was a, a cartoon that appeared in newspapers across the country. It pictured two farmers standing in a Kentucky field as the snow fell, and the one farmer turned to the other and said, did anything anything exciting happen today? And the other farmer looked back at him and said, nope, nothing exciting happened today. But I did hear that Tom Lincoln and his wife had a baby boy. And they're thinking about naming him Abe. And he continued. He said, "But you know, (laughs) nothing exciting ever happens around here, really." That day, a president was born, who changed the course of history by leading a nation in a direction of of abolishing slavery under his leadership. And I was thinking. Same conversation could have taken place outside of Bethlehem. Two two farmers stand in a field, and the one says to the other, Any exciting, anything exciting happened today? And the other farmer says, Nope, nothing exciting ever happens around here. Oh, but I did hear the lady from out of town birthed. baby boy in the stable. But nothing exciting ever happens around here. Really? Folks, something happened that day. That little baby's birth put Bethlehem on Christmas cards. They wrote songs about Bethlehem. And the baby was born there, still changes life. Jesus is, was, and always will be the most influential person that ever walked the face of the earth. So the shepherds traveled back home, just like we will in a little bit. They went over the same roads, through the same fields, to the same sheep, to the same job, to the same family and friends. Oh, But they had a new responsibility that they would let their love light gleam. Hmm? And so I ask you, I ask you, would you be willing to do the same over the next couple days? You know what? This is a cool period of time. Can I tell you why? You could talk about Jesus and people don't get ticked off. No, no, no. This is the time. This is the moment where we have opportunity. Don't force the door open, but just let God lead you and share what Jesus means to you. I would give an invite to Christmas Eve service. Hmm. Do you know what c Christians are? They're Christians that just go to church on Christmas and Easter. They're coming. They're going someplace. Why don't we invite them here? That invitation could change their destiny. Yeah. Jesus asked us to do the same. So I'll just read this verse. You say, when did he do that? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, (laughs) he said this, you are the light of the world. It's a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one gives light to a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a nightstand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And so I want you to think about this online. I want you to think about it in the room. If you think Jesus is the light of the world, I'm just going to ask you to say amen on the count of three. Ready? Do you believe Jesus is the light of the world? Amen. Let's not keep it to ourselves this Christmas. Let's ask God to help us share it with somebody. God bless you. Have a good week as you finish up your Christmas shopping. And give Jesus more time these next couple days. Father, I thank you for this morning. I ask God that you would just come into our lives right now, Lord. We got schedules, business, shopping, cooking, all that stuff that goes with Christmas. We got you. And so today we want to make you a priority in our life this week. So first day of the week, Lord, we got you in your right place. And we thank you in Jesus' name.